Hey, good morning, everybody. Please try to ignore that black dot on my lips. I'll try to do it a little lower for Wayne. Uh, today is a uh, very special day in our, our nation. Ten years ago, uh, airplanes crashed into the World Trade Center, Pentagon, and one plane was taken down by our own citizens in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh, a day that will one day just be on our calendar, just like Pearl Harbor was. And uh, it's eventually going to turn into that. But that's why we're, we're saying don't ever forget. Don't ever forget what happened. And our children's children will wonder what happened. And this week, uh, if you watch National Geographic's TLC, there's a lot of information that's come out and people that were on the plane, children that were on the plane, people that were in the tower saying goodbye to their wife or husband and then jumping off the building uh, just to have a, a death of dignity. Uh, a lot of that. And my kids this week asked me about what 9-11 was, and they had learned in class, you know, that uh, airplanes had hit a building. And so we went on YouTube, and I got to explain to them this is what happened. And in September 11th, I was living in Oxnard. I'm sure you had a place where you were where you were sitting, you'll never forget, just turning on the TV for my quiet time that day to watch some news, just to kind of get a little update what's happening. And it so happens that I, uh, I just saw a burning building, and then I saw a plane hit live. I just, I was so stunned uh, to see that. It was a stunning day. And it's a day that we don't want to forget. And today's our mother and son uh, uh, play day today. So if you're a mother and you've got a son... Uh, because on 9-11, mothers were lost, sons were lost, and so today we're just going to honor that memory of our children and their children by having some time together and just appreciating being with your sons, appreciating being with your children, and there's a lot going on there, and uh, people that believe that we're, they're angry with us did something to us, and pray for our men and women who are out in the theater of war. Um, pray for our Navy, our Navy personnel. Pray for John Spencer's brother who is um, fighting and, and training and teaching and doing secret things that we know nothing about in special operations. You know, there, this war is, is a lot close to home than we think. Uh, for Eric Purcell, who's in Afghanistan right now. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. We live near, we live near two military bases. So we have disciples who come and go pray for Seth Hill who is a Navy diver who just moved into our area he'll be coming and going we don't know where and we don't know when and we don't know when he's going to come back but he'll do still do certain things so it's a time to remember and teach your children not to forget the day that changed our country's lives and the heroes that were lost the firemen that ran up the building the policemen that ran up and all the citizens who carried people out of the uh, twin towers on their backs just regular acts of heroism is what you find. And that is, that is the equivalent of our spiritual heroism when we share our faith, when we rescue someone who is hurting, when we ask the question, hey, are you okay? Like we talked about last week, about Kevin Hines, when no one asked him, hey, are you okay? We can be spiritual heroes in a tribute to 9-11 spiritually. And this, this conflict... Um, ties in a little bit to our next chapter in the book of James. 
which is James chapter 4. And in, in the church, there was a, there was a 9-11 going on because there were some spiritual terrorists, spiritual wars going on in the church. The closest spiritual terrorist that I know is me. I, I cause more harm to myself and sometimes the fellowship. It comes from me, my sinful nature. Words like fighting, quarreling, lust, hate, envy, pride, and sin are words that stain the letter of James in chapter 4. In chapter 3, we talked about the tongue and how small it is, but how destructive it can be. You know, in verse 1 of James chapter 4, I titled my lesson, And in this corner... Because this is where the Christians were. I'm in this corner, and you're in that corner. I don't like you, and you don't like me, and I don't like what you and they're just, And they're at odds. You know, last night I got to hear that. It took Steve Burns and I went to see my younger brother fight in a professional MMA fight. And they said, in this corner was my little brother. And I, and I had a special card. I was, I was by the ringside. And, you know, I was, I was called his corner man, but I knew nothing of what to do. But I was his corner man. And I saw, I saw this phrase being uttered, and I, had, I, I wrote this phrase off last week, but knowing that I was going to be a, at a fight, it was uh, two people who, who were not, not happy with each other going into combat. But what's interesting about those fights is afterwards, they're like best friends. Before the fight, they're like, <laughs> we say, what about my mama? You know, it was, and then afterwards, they're like, hey, how's it going? Hugging, kissing each other. I'm going like, that was odd. Ten minutes ago, you guys didn't like, you know, like each other. You know, in verse 1, it reads, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you want or, or get on pleasures. It's an interesting phrase. And why do we fight is my point. Why do the Christians fight? Well, they get their hurts, feelings hurt. They are misguided. They're not in their word. They're not in the Bible. It's very common. And this word fight in the, in the Greek... This word fight in the phrase in your Bible, it means, in the Greek, it means a state of war. That's what it means. And that's how in the church, factions start, divisions start, because you try to find people who are like-minded in your warfare. You add to your team, so to speak. And you gather other Christians to, that think like you, and then you engage in a spiritual war of attitudes. Spiritual war of pride. I'm not going to do that. I don't agree with that. You know, the word quarrel in the same text is a battle or individual dispute. Sometimes it's just you and another brother, you and another sister. And the Bible asks this question, where does it come from? Doesn't it come from your desire within? You know, you can use that passage for a marriage seminar. Can we not? You know, 
we don't want to try to understand the other person's feelings. You know, yesterday, Karen, uh, you know, she asked me to go to the garage. You know, when we go to the garage, that means we're going to have a talk. It's usually something I did wrong most of the time. And she's typically 100% accurate. And uh, so we had to talk, and I had to prepare myself. You know, you just can't go into the garage, just kind of flip and go, oh, what's going on? And then you go, what? Huh? What's going on? What's what? I didn't do that. Right? So I go, okay, we're going in the, into the garage. That's garage for Spanish. I said, I said, I'm going to need to prepare my soul for what's about to be said. And I, we just got done AYSO soccer banner day. I was lugging stuff. I felt like, man, I put, I put a good hard uh, husband's day work in, carrying lugging stuff to the car, getting the kids, coaching, lightning storm coming, you know, getting the kids off the field. But in my, in my, in my own world of, I was pretty awesome, world of, uh, Gio did a pretty good job today, you know, world. My wife had felt feelings of, you know, lack of communication, left her by herself, just left and did other things. And, and she was right. She was right. But you know, during, during the, before it gets to a, to a state of war, I had, what do I hear her saying? What do I hear her saying? This is what I hear you saying. And I repeated what she said. And then she added more. I said, this is what I hear you saying. And then this. And she added a little bit more. And the more I kept drawing it out, the more I found like I was, I was pulling out a, a, a Chevy 2500 vehicle. I was like, there was so much coming out. I was like, I, I thought that was the first time I asked. That was it. But I wanted it to be over after that first, what are you feeling? So what are you saying? And I wanted it to be over. I did what was supposed to be done. And more came out. And more came out. And more came out. You know, I thought of that proverb, Proverbs 20 verse 5. A man of understanding draws out the deep waters. It was deep. And so we're just drawing around. And I was, you know, you're trying to stay calm because you're like, that's not my reality, but that was her reality. And so validating those feelings were important. And I think Christians miss this step. And without that step of trying to validate, it doesn't mean that what they say is absolutely true, but what they say is true to them. And when you validate those feelings... You're able to have a very good conversation and before it turns into an, a dispute or a battle. And sometimes, you know, they can say something that ignites your defense net mechanism. It ignites your, ah, let, me, let me defend that. And when you're totally trying to defend, it causes even more and more disconnection. It happens all the time in Christian relationships. And James is, is at the heart, is trying to help the Christians to stop fighting and quarreling because it's going on all over the churches during his time. And the essence of sin, where does it come from? The essence of it, it comes from our selfishness. We want our points of view to be accepted and heard and respected. And if we don't get that, it's a selfish motivation. Eve disobeyed God when she ate from the tree, correct? She wanted to become wise like God. Adam lied and about his wife being his, his sister. He's selfish, or his wife, he selfishly wanted to save his own life. Remember that? Genesis 12. 
Achan, after they defeated, uh, caused the, the defeat of Israel because he selfishly took forbidden treasure from the ruins of Jericho. Remember that in, in, uh, in uh, Judges, or Joshua 7? And often we can veil our religious quarrels under the guise of spirituality, especially if you're an older Christian. We're pretty good at that. You know, just like Miriam and Aaron, who complained about the wife of Moses, but really they were envious of Moses' authority. That was the real issue. But we, they disguised it with, hey, you didn't marry a Jewish. Or sometimes we can be like James and John, who asked for the special thrones and got their mother to ask Jesus, can you sit at your right and sit at your left? Because we want recognition. We want to be recognized. In all these instances, the result of selfish desires was causing fighting and division among God's people. And it's very a dangerous thing. Of, in, in the concept is selfishness. It's a very dangerous thing. It's destructive in relationships. And if there's anything that in, in, our, in our argument that came out, our discussion that came out was, I was not, I was being selfish. I thought about myself. I thought about, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this. I, and then I disguised it with, I was serving but I was really being selfish. I did things that I wanted to do and didn't consider what she, in communicating, what needed to be done. But I, you know, you quickly think, no, no, this is what I did. I was carrying things. I got the car and went all the way around. And you want to disguise it. They lead to wrong actions, and they end up leaving you to wrong, leading you to wrong praying. And you pray with wrong motives. You pray at, you ask God to respond to your selfishness. And that's a dangerous thing because you get easily discouraged because God sees right through your selfishness. He sees right through it and he does not respond to that. He does not answer that because he loves you. Because he cares about you. Because you know that you would not go, son, you're being completely self-centered and selfish, but I'm gonna obey all your words. You would never do that to your children. Because you love them saying, no, 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 no. That doesn't work here. Let me help you. Let me show you how to tr- what, what love truly is. You know, when, where praying is wrong, when we pray with the selfish motives, it distorts our Christianity. It really does. You ever, you ever see on TV where that, that, that scene where there's a distortion, a lack of focus? And, you know, I, I watch this show called Fringe on Friday nights. It's pretty spooky stuff, but i got to convince myself it's not real. Um, and then you talk to a scientist and he goes, oh, string theory. I'm like, don't, don't freak me out, dude. Just calm down. And there's a distortion that always happens between two worlds. And there's that spiritual world that I want to live in. And then there's my real world, which is reality of my selfishness. Things that I want to do. And it's based on my appetite. If I, if, I, if I have a full belly and my day's going well, I'm pretty selfless. I'm a little hungry, and my morning's not going well. I didn't sleep enough. I'm very selfish. It's more based on my moods and my swings versus the scriptures and what's right and what love is. And that is what James is trying to get at. Christians were wanting to kill and covet. And they were saying prayers like, God, will you humble him? You ever pray that? God, will you break him? Maybe God wants to break you first. And then that guy. 
God, will you deal with that person? And all along, your heart is just angry and irritable. You know, we landed at our new building location in Newbury Park, California. Just over the, uh, the emotional grade there. The emotional grade that divides our hearts. It can, if you let it. After an exhaustive search in Camarillo to have a midweek here, and I actually found a midweek location, but as the negotiations went, they, they wanted us there midweeks and Sundays. And so they took, their, they took their offer on Sunday off the table. This happens in negotiations. I want to thank uh, our hard-nosed brothers who I, nego- I got a lot of advice from negotiating on how to negotiate. Um, and I was able to negotiate some things that we wanted, you know, same price. Um, but it, they wanted us, they wanted it to be a package deal. Even though I found some in Camarillo, it, it was, it, w- it became evident that that was not going to be a viable option for us, at least for one year. And that new location can cause you to quarrel, struggle within yourself and say, you know, that's a little extra, that's a, that's a little bit too far. Five, six minute drive may be a little much for you at times, but I want to encourage you to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, our midweeks, if you're married, it's twice a month. You know, for the older sisters, we asked them how they felt. We asked them, why why don't they come twice a month with the married sisters? Because they're older, and they're a little bit more fearful of of the drive and their cars, and so we're very flexible. We're even flexible with the Oxford Ventura Church about having having midweeks in their home every third month to have midweeks in their house for a month, just to kind of, you know, where it's a win-win. But these things can, can, can challenge our hearts. But God is doing something. God, mu- God is, has led us there, and I wonder why. Now, I wanted to be in Camarillo. I like Camarillo. It's actually, it's actually, a, it's actually only an only 11-minute drive to my house. Now, nah, it makes it a little farther, but I wanted to be here. But I'm going to ask this, this church here, when the first opening happens, if they're ever open up to renting again, that it's us. We have a great relationship. They gave us a great referral. They like us here, but they don't need our money. So that, that, there's the problem. So we move on. We move on. And this leads to verse 4. Let's look at the, the next, um, next verse. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God? Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused us to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I want to focus on on this, this word here. Because you may think you're a humble person. I know I think that sometimes. But in reality, most of the time, there's mostly pride lurking underneath our self-deception that we're really humble people. So it, and it, it comes, situations bring them out. They're just kind of lurking in there. And this word opposes, I looked it up in the Greek, and I can't pronounce that Greek word because it's, it's very hard. Uh, but it, I, can, I can read the English definition. And it's a military term of opposition. You remind me of Luke 14 when you count the cost 
He has 20,000, you have 10,000. It reminded me of that scripture. When we get prideful, there, there's a military action that is taken in that sense. There's a, it's not like, oh yeah, I'm just going to, no. It, there's, a, there's a show of force that God comes. So I oppose your pride militarily. And God wants your focus to be on him. He gives you a lot of grace so you can focus on him. That's how much God really loves you. Because it says here, he envies intensely. That means he really, really loves you. He gets really jealous when we put other things in our hearts before God. You know, in Colossians chapter 2, it warns us that we don't inherit or succumb to what's called human philosophy that are based on the, on the patterns of the world. Let me give you an example of what some of those are. Honoring yourself more than God. Let me, t- let me, let me tell you, let me break it out in, in, in financial terms. God gives you wealth, God gives you honor, God gives you work. And God says, hey, give me my tenth. And you live off the 90. We do, as we fill up to 99.9, and then we, ah, here you go. And we honor ourselves. That's honoring of ourselves. Because we, we've locked ourselves into this car, this house, this thing, this activity, this thing, this thing. And we never considered, am I honoring the Lord? For every dollar you have, he says, Give me, honor me with 10 cents. For every $10 you have, honor me with a dollar. That's honoring of yourself. And so when you honor yourself, if you read the book of Malachi it really sours the relationship. You ever been in love and the person doesn't love you back? It's kind of, ugh, what a creepy feeling. What a sad feeling. That's honoring of, that's an example of human philosophy, but, but that's all I can afford. This is not about affordable. This is about honoring. Human philosophy, but, but I, 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 I got to, this is not about that. It's about honoring the Lord. That's what it's about. Think about that. Here's 100%. Honor God with 10, and you live off 90. And you get to go to heaven. You get the best relationships. You get free counseling. All these extra things. Kids ministry, teachers, love your kids, and that. But we've dis- we choose and, you, and, and this is where he says, does this make you prideful? Going, wait, you don't understand my situation. Then you better understand his position too. He'll oppose you. Because the Bible says the way of the unfaithful is hard. It's usually when you have financial challenges, life isn't grand for you. It's hard. Because what comes out is when you live outside of what you can bring in, 
you have serious challenges. And then your prayers become selfish. Like, God save me. God's like, well, just live within your means. No, no, no. God, God, why aren't you not hearing me? And we get torquey, combative. And that's, that's the honoring. Other, another, another topic is we rely on ourselves and not prayer. Time will heal all wounds. No, prayer heals all wounds. We rely on others and not God. We get angry when life gets difficult and we don't trust God is in control of life. Or the, the situation is difficult and we think God is going, <laughs> we think that sometimes. I've thought that sometimes. Because I, I started losing my trust. We lose our gratitude for the sacrificial love that God bestowed on us. We lose it. I'm talking to older Christians. Talk to a younger Christian. And then you will see the distance of your gratitude. And we write it off like, <laughs> they're young. Wait till they get old and cynical like me. <laughs> Talk to a young Christian. They're like, man, I'm fine. This is me. Oh, man. It's very nice. It's cute. Child's play. Cynicism is a real thing for older Christians. It is a real thing. And when we have change in the church, the first thing that comes and is tested is your gratitude. Is our gratitude. That's the first thing that gets tested. God gave us each other. Isn't that awesome? God gave us Kelly. He gave us Sessi. He gave us Clay. He gave us Fohawk Mike Blanda. He gave us the teen ministry. He gave us so many. He gave us a future lawyer in the church with Tom Bundy. I mean, Tom. Tom. I keep saying his name wrong. Oh, Tom Bundy? Kid. I almost said Al Bundy in my head. But don't worry, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's bad. We've got a future lawyer who's going to Pepperdine. It's awesome. God gave us each other. You know, when, you're, when your kid has a, has a basketball game in Ventura, you come visit the kingdom. God gave us each other. Isn't that right, Rosa? And God gave us Facebook, because I would have never known. You know, the church is God's wisdom in getting us to heaven. Getting to heaven is not checking in at church. Getting to heaven is having relationships with God and each other. And our friendship with the world is, is, is God is challenging that. He's confronting your relationships. Because we can be full of pride. And we can start thinking to ourselves, well... I'm not really getting my needs met from the Christians. And so we think, well, the world will give me my friendships. We think that. We go there. We do these things to ourselves, right? We don't like being corrected because it flares up our pride. And I suspect that we've, we've become somewhat like the world. We kind of avoid sometimes discipling each other. 
We get, we get fearful of saying it and the reaction of what they might respond to. And the fundamental essence of the church and its function is through relationships and counseling, admonishing, and the word discipling, which is actually in the Bible in Matthew 28. It's a verb. To discipling, it's, a, it's, to, it's to teach them to obey everything I've commanded. That's, that, that's where it comes from. It wasn't a made-up word. It's actually in the scriptures. So I'm going to show you a few, few passages in the Bible that we need to strengthen our relationships. Because if we don't have this kind of interaction, we will get weak and love the world. And then God will oppose us. We have to sometimes go into burning buildings called your heart and climb those stairs of your heart and get in there and get you on our shoulder and carry you down. That's what discipling is. It's not a I'm better than you. It's like, hey, there's a fire. Let me get in there. There's a danger of going into a burning building, is it not? You have to count the cost too, right? You know, that building's on fire. I think I'm going to wait for the fire trucks. Right? Like, I'm going to wait, wait for some other brother to talk to him. Another fire truck. You have the hose going, I have the hose, and there's the house. You got to go in. And that's the spirit of a hero. You go in to hard places. These are the scriptures that talk about that. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. In other words, huele bien. That means it smells good. When you get a heartfelt counsel from your friend, the Bible describes that as, ah, smells good. You know, I do a lot of counseling. I do a lot of talking to people. But you know what? This is, this is not about the preacher doing it. This is about disciples doing it. Remember that little diagram we got when we first became Christians? The preacher meets 365 people a year, and then that meets two. And then, but over time, the impact of the preacher is minimized because he doesn't multiply what the work. Now, we're disciples. We multiply the work of counseling. Because the Bible describes that you, in Romans 15, that you are competent to counsel. Some more than others, but you're competent. Proverbs 10, verse 17. People who listen when they are corrected will live. But those who will not admit that they are wrong are in danger. I want to live. It, just my, per, my perception reality may not be correct. And I appreciate when it gets pointed out. I appreciate that very much. Proverbs 12, verse 1. I hope you can read that. It's kind of small, sorry. Anyone who loves knowledge wants to be told when he is wrong. It is stupid to hate being corrected. It's in there. You know the word for, for stupid in the Bible, in the Hebrew? It's called brutish, barbarous, dull-hearted, and unreceptive. In Spanish, we call it tonto. 
right? Bruto, tonto. And my mother said a lot of other colorful things to me. Because one thing that I resented growing up was being corrected. I didn't like it. And I can bring that into my Christianity. You may get corrected, but you may be feeling angry about it. But you're giving the hugs anyway. All right? We do that too. The Bible says don't be a tonto. Don't be a bruto. Don't be an estupido. Right? In many languages, it is foolish to reject correction and insist that you're always correct. It is foolish. Married people, are you feeling me? The one who accepts correction will be honored. You know, we always honor that bro. He's really humble, man. You can, you can, you can talk to that guy. He, you know, he's wrong. You tell him. He's, he responds great. We, 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 in our hearts, we know who they are in the fellowship. Well, that dude is, is awesome. That dude over there, not so awesome. That dude over there is pretty awesome. And we have no problem going to them and telling and pointing out to them because they respond well consistently. But even though the burning is building, you still got to go in. You still got to go in. Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 15, verse 12. I got this out of the Message Bible. Know-it-alls don't like being told what to do. They avoid the company of wise men and women. We do that too. We do that all the time. Oh, I, I'm going to fellowship over here. A little, little lighter fellowship. Hey, bro, how's it going, man? Yeah, light fellowship. It's good. Whoa. Yeah, it's going really well, man. How you doing? Yeah, it's going really awesome. We do it all the time. Just ask yourself. And it's true that you do, I do that. Don't go, oh, man, I don't want to have that conversation right now. Shh, please. Yeah, I do it too. Because sometimes I think I'm a know-it-all. Proverbs 15, verse 5. Welcoming correction is a mark of good sense and maturity. And maturity. Sometimes our house can be on fire and it's burning and we're standing out in, in front of the porch going, let it burn. Get back over there across. Get on the sidewalk. Let it burn. And we get so like frumpy when someone's trying to help us and we try to scare them off. Get off my lawn, boy. Let it burn. We think, we think that yeah. And our house is burned to the ground. So what you do, you stand with, you go back to the sidewalk, and you get the fire hose, and you spray. Shh. Water on him. With some scriptures. Because you still got to go in. You still got to go in. Especially if they're married, because their kids are in there, their wives are in there. Let it burn! We got to go in. Sometimes you make that uncomfortable knock at their door. Bro, I'm here to, t- 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 to talk, talk to you. Yeah. Because some bros get really scary. But it's that hero who goes, we need to talk, to talk a little bit. We do it anyway. That's the spirit of a hero. 
You don't think there's firemen thought to themselves, am I ever going to see my kids again? Those policemen, they went through their mind. It goes through their mind every time they got to go up a building. But they did it anyway. And there were children who were speaking today whose dads died when they were little babies. And you should hear their speech. It is moving. This week, it's all on TV. Take a, take a half an hour of your day. Sit down with your wife and appreciate what you have. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's be together. Amen.